Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Land.com can help you find that little patch of ground to call your own and do all the hunting, fishing, and hanging out with the family you want. Just know that getting your own piece of land is something that can generate memories for generations, but also has the ability to generate income in both the near and long term. Like if you just want to start a rental business slash family compound. Go to Land.com and check out the hundreds of thousands of rural listings from all across America. Enough dreaming about it. Land.com is a place to find and invest in in your open space. Hi, and welcome back to the Carol Markowitz Show on the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Podcast Network on iHeartRadio. I think after the last few days, we need a palate cleanser. So let's talk about sex. People aren't having it. Study after study shows a downward trend in the number of people having sex. One study in 2021 showed 26% of adult Americans hadn't had sex in the last year. A large study from 2000 to 2018 showed an increasing number of people, 18 to 34, reported having no sex or far less frequent sex than in years prior. Nearly 40% of young adults surveyed in California in 2021 had no sexual partners in the prior year at all. I know California is weird. But still, I feel like in the 1980s and maybe 90s, sex was very much in, and now it feels out. All of the comedies of that age put sex front and center, for example. I'm not saying bring back the gratuitous nudity of the movies of the 1980s, but it's almost like sex has become passe. I'm going to talk about our declining birth rates in later episodes, but that's not what I mean here. I literally mean people are not having sex, and this is having a serious negative impact on our society. In November of 2021, I wrote a piece for The Spectator magazine called Life After Sex. The pandemic was obviously pretty unsexy. I wrote, quote, life could not have been less sexy lately. The neighborhood busybody calling the police on your backyard party, half of everyone's face covered by a mask, Everyone drinking too much, staying in their pajamas all day, and putting on the quarantine 15, end quote. But 
But it wasn't just that. We've been going through some pretty significant societal changes. I wrote, quote, social changes are also ratcheting down the sexy. 57 genders only sounds cool to a teenager. An adult hearing someone as a pan, bi, trans, non-binary femme will just tune out and go search up Pornhub for something that makes sense. Porn use, of course, is way up. People might not want to have actual sex, but they're not giving up their porn. It's a new world. Click, click, relief. Far easier than making it work in the new normal, whatever that is this month. Sexy is so old-fashioned, end quote. There's really something to that. We used to accept, without too much introspection, what we found generally attractive. For men, yes, the Victoria's Secret model type was what the majority of men would turn to look at in the street. It doesn't mean men aren't attracted to the 99.9% of us who don't look like these models, but it was just acceptable to say, these women are beautiful and most men will find them attractive. It was obvious. It was right around the time of that spectator piece that Victoria's Secret decided to change their whole guiding philosophy around this. They announced, and I wrote, that they'll be phasing out their impossibly gorgeous and fit angels. Instead, they'll be going with leading icons and change makers, including the soccer star, Megan Rapinoe, the transgender model, Valentina Sempeo, the plus-size model, Paloma Alcesser, and 17-year-old skier, Eileen Gu. These new icons won't be posing in lingerie, but sharing their inspirational stories in a 10-episode podcast, So Hot, end quote. Women don't put on lingerie to be inspired, and men don't look at women in lingerie to see a change maker. Lingerie is made for sex. That obvious statement is no longer obvious. People can be attracted to whatever they want, and there's a wide range of what people like. But I really oppose the whole what you're supposed to like idea for both men and women. When the show Mad Men was all the rage, women loved Don Draper. He was handsome. He was a man's man, but also, you know, kind of a Lothario who was bad to his women. So there were all these hand-wringing think pieces from self-described feminists about how they were attracted to him like Teehee, but, you know, felt so bad about it. By the way, no man in history has ever felt bad about who he was attracted to. Never. Ever. <laughs> I was not attracted to Don Draper. He seemed like too much of a project to me. In fact, my celebrity crush is Daron from Fauda, kind of a, a hot moment for that right now. But he's like the protector guy, and he's a badass. And like my husband, he's Israeli. Um, that sulking Don Draper guy really did nothing for me. And I also didn't feel like there was anyone that I was supposed to like or not supposed to like. And so it lets me like who I like. But so now it feels like men are getting that same pressure about what they're supposed to like. And that helps explain why sex is on the decline. We like what we like, and being made to feel bad about that really doesn't work. We're not going to find some do-gooder attractive just because we're supposed to. I say that women have always gotten the advice to not be attracted to what they're actually attracted to. I think when we see women not consider attraction in the guy that they're marrying, that's a problem. And it's one of the reasons we see mismatched libidos in marriages. You should marry a man who is good to you, who is a good provider, who will take care of his family. Yes, yes to all of that. 
but he should also be a man you want to have sex with. And a marriage without sex is a friendship. I sometimes talk about how sex is the most important part of a marriage, and it actually makes people annoyed because they say, no, so many other things matter, you know, trust matters or compatibility matters. And of course, all of that matters. When I say most important thing in a relationship, I don't say only important thing in a relationship. A lot of other things matter, but sex is really front and center. Otherwise, what you have is a friendship. One of the wild things I discovered during that, during while I was writing that spectator piece is that there was a study conducted during the pandemic that found that cohabiting couples actually masturbated more and had sex less during the lockdowns. I mean, that's crazy, but I'll side note this by bringing it back to my first episode where my monologue was in favor of marriage, that married people have more sex than anyone. I bring this message to college kids all the time. It's a lie that marriage is the end of a sex life. In a lot of cases, it's very much the beginning. So what's the point? Sex is good? Yeah, that's the point. Sex is good. One of my favorite things to hit is that we have to point things out, even if it's just to ourselves. Treat sex as important. It's useful, look, for better sleep and better health, lower stress, and it's just a good time. So, you know, go do it right now or after the show is over. Coming up next, an interview with Mary Catherine Ham. Join us after the break. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey guys, Rob Parker here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like the rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower further than ever before or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail dominating power and captivating style the new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true and with the new available tech this legendary truck is getting even better and when you buy a Toyota truck you buy Toyota dependability meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future so visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness. 
Kick back and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages, and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So, buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So, how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, Take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. Oracle.com slash strategic. I would say that when I was thinking about guests that I would have in the future, when I thought about interviewing MK, it was one of those where I thought, is 20 to 30 minutes going to be enough? Because I have a lot of things I want to cover with her, uh, but we'll do our best to get to everything. And it's so nice to have you, Mary Catherine. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So the overall theme of this show is going to be how to be happier, how to improve your life, but also how to do things like find the right relationship or how to make friends in adulthood. And I love everything you write. I'm legitimately like, I think you're such a beautiful writer. But one of my favorite things that you've written was back in 2017 on the Federalist website about trying to make mom friends. And it was called The Internal Monologue of a New Mom Making Mom yeah. Friends. So you, everybody should Google it. Uh, it was hilarious and brilliant. And so in thinking of this question, I also I confused that piece with the interaction, the time that your daughter peed on a potential friend. Separate story. <laughs> It's <laughs> ah, a good one. <laughs> Accidentally, obviously. Yes. But, you know, so how's Look, adult potty training comes with uh, certain challenges? <laughs> There's pluses and minuses to all friendships. Um, so how is the adult friend making going? The grown up um, actually, friend making, because I feel like adult friend making sounds like something different. <laughs> yes, yes. I did. I think in that piece, I suggested that there should be basically uh, Tinder for moms and i was like oh that's weird is that that'll get a lot of clicks but i'm not sure that's what i mean um so and i should say also just to to um exonerate my my poor daughter uh yes she was potty training i took her to a park and she said no mom i definitely don't need a diaper today i am good to go and i was like great that sounds awesome and when we got in the car uh she told me uh i peed at the park uh and that little girl yelled at me and I said, oh, well, I'm sure she was just surprised, you know, no biggie. Uh, and then it turns out that what happened was the girl was standing under her on the play structure when this happened. So <laughs> still fair, 
fair. I did not ever get time. <laughs> I did never uh, get in touch with that mom again. But anyway, uh, so that friendship was out. But uh, the adult friend making is pretty good. It's it's an interesting question because I think when you have kids, you wonder, do I need to make a completely different set of friends who also have kids and are dealing with the same yeah. phase of life that I'm in? Or can I import my old friends who are also moms now, which is kind of that's a lot of what I've done. I have several in right. the area who we were friends before we were moms, one in particular from college who we parent similarly, uh, which is a huge part of making those kinds of friends. And uh, so I do a little bit of that. I also am thankful that in several neighborhoods I've lived in, in the DC area, I have had uh, really good friends nearby who also mm -hmm. had similar values and similar parenting styles. Uh, on the corner I lived in before I moved here, uh, when I was a single mom, there were two SEC fan uh, houses nice. on either side of me. Mm -hmm. Granted, LSU and Auburn, but look, you deal <laughs> with what you deal with when you come to right. another place. Uh, and they had, you know, they understood me and the football and had rough and tumble kids. And uh, it, we went through a tough time together, obviously, in my life. And uh, so I was able to make friends there. And then I moved and I moved close to a, um, an army base. And now I, now I have my army mom oh, yeah. friends and they are fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really good. <laughs> Does being a public person hinder that or help it? The whole friend? Uh, I think it hinders it <laughs> more than anything <laughs> because mainly because I actually, I, one thing I do, uh, in an attempt to make mom friends or adult friends in, uh, in my vicinity is that I don't engage with their social media until after I've talked with them for a while. Like that's not the first place I want to go. Uh, right. much like your neighborhood listserv. I feel like the reason you're going there is more than like, you're just going to end up hating your neighbors and that's right. not what I'm interested in doing. Mm -hmm. So there are several friends I have whom if I had seen their social media first, I would have assumed a, they would dislike me and B right. that I might not like them. And it turns out that social media can just put a different tinge on things. Not everybody has a very, um, the same tone as yeah. I do. And, you know, it can just look very different for different people. And it can look very different from their real life persona. And right. so I want to get to know the real life person. And then we can delve into that later. With me, that sometimes becomes impossible if someone, you know, clocks me as a public mm -hmm. person first. But it hasn't, it hasn't caused a ton of problems. Right. So you've had a really amazing career. I've, you know, feel like I've been along for the ride uh, for a lot of it. And you were most recently at CNN. Uh, it was a splashy departure. Would you, would you say that? <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. Can I you, felt like I needed to get some shots in. Can you tell our listeners what happened? Yes. So uh, I was at CNN from 2015 until this spring. Uh, before that, I was at Fox. I actually enjoyed very much being at CNN. I went over there with the intention of being the weirdo on the set, being mm -hmm. the person who says the thing that other people don't say. Now, at that time, I think this is in the very, this is in the earlier Zucker years. It's at, as Trump is headed toward the nomination, but we didn't know that at the time. And I felt like it was a pretty nice place to be and did responsible work and had Trump supporters and Trump critical commentators on mostly every panel I was on. And I enjoyed that very much. This uh, is like the nicest thing anybody's ever said about CNN, by the way. Well, that <laughs> was including on the left, you know, <laughs> that was 2015 and 16. 
I do felt, I feel like it really took a turn and that this, um, if I may, am I allowed to say pissing match between uh, Zucker and Trump led to really bad news coverage and really bad incentives because everyone knew that the more you try to nail Trump, the more airtime you're going to get. And it was very obvious. And it was obvious to me that I wasn't doing the right things to get the airtime. Now, Mm -hmm. that does not mean that certain journalists didn't put me on the air. I was on Tapper's show a lot. There were people who made an effort to get me out there. John Berman is another one who was fun to be on with. Um, But in general, institutionally, I was not doing what needed to be done, right, in the eyes of management. So my career sort of like tailed off in that way. Then we hit COVID. Then in 2021 and 22, I'm off air for months and months and months and months. Mm -hmm. Now I had two babies in two years. So I'm like, am I so sad about that? I'm not so sad about it, but I am employed by this place and what's happening. So I start asking questions and I can't figure out what's happening. Like, why am I never on? I'm pitching columns. Nothing, nothing's working. And finally, after Chris Licht joins for his short, short tenure at CNN, I get a call from somebody in management or HR who explains to me what happened. And here's what happened is that I was put on the bench suspended without my knowledge everyone told uh, Zucker told the shows not to use me because I had tweeted criticism of Jeffrey Tubin, who if you remind us who that is. Yeah. Jeffrey Tubin (laughs) was a legal uh, commentator uh, who was in his capacity as a, at another job had been caught on a zoom um, pleasuring himself. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had not been fired from CNN as a result of this interaction he was benched and then brought back somewhat triumphantly with a like a an interview by Allison Camerata. It was very strange. And he I, I wondered to myself, how long was I punished for criticizing him versus how long he was punished? And the answer right. is he was off air for eight months and I was off air for seven months. Right. So that's the price for and you didn't saying even get that. to show anybody anything, you know. <laughs> No, I know. And I thought to myself, man, I really, I could have had only fans and a career and I just, you know, and a political commentary career, but no, it's just so, it's so deeply unfair. Part of it was that the context of the conversation that I was having on Twitter was one where I was critical of media coverage, including CNN of the congressional baseball shooting that rubs people the wrong way, but I felt like it needed to be said. And I should not have used that phrase that I just used, but right. <laughs> that, that conversation included this tweet about Tubin, and apparently that was, that was a bridge too far guys. And right. so I wasn't ever fired or let go or mm-hmm. laid off. I was asked to come back and I was asked to come back with a smile on my face and just move on. And I did not feel like I could do that. And so I wrote a piece about what actually happened. Right. So and then I, I think- left like six months later. Yeah. <laughs> So I think when people hear stories like this, they imagine there's like a lawsuit that follows some something like this for like this kind of bad behavior from a company like that, that they benched you, you know, it, I mean, in the era following Me Too, the idea that they benched a female commentator for saying, hey, exposing yourself on, you know, a Zoom call maybe is not the best way to go. Um, and yet you were punished for it. So like, is there any repercussions for them? Will there be? 
I mean, not really. No, my the repercussion that made me happy was that it would be public. And I knew that if yeah. I attempted a lawsuit, uh, I would have a non-disparagement or something along those lines. And that that would be part of the agreement. And honestly, as a contract employee, I don't have that many rights. They they have every right not to put me on air. That was a very bad reason to not mm-hmm. put me on air. Um, but they can do that because I was not a full-time employee. If I had been a full-time employee, different scene. But one of my objections, both publicly and to uh, the HR person I spoke to, was during the era of Me Too when I was on air, I was asked to comment on every errant penis in the entire media, Hollywood, politics world over and over and over again, Mm -hmm. sports as well. And I rejected the idea that this was the one I was not allowed to talk about. I reject it. That's right. Yeah. I'm not Um, protecting this one and still talking about all of these. (laughs) (laughs) Did you feel like, was it because you weren't politically aligned with CNN's agenda? Like if, if you had been a liberal commentator or, you know, just generally on the left, do you think the same thing would have happened? Right. Yeah. I think I hit like a a double whammy here, which is a woman on the right. Like there was a boys club involved. Tubin was part of it. Um, I was not, I also wasn't part of the ideological club. So it's just two, it was two strikes against me and everyone's like, well, how much do we care about hearing her? Right errant opinions, her, her mm-hmm. problematic right-wing opinions. <laughs> they're not that interested, unfortunately, right, right. um, in half the country. And, uh, and again, I, I just think it makes it easier to punish someone like me mm-hmm. because the, the CNN faithful are not going to be super mad that I'm not there. <laughs> right. That's for but, sure. But surely all the feminists sprang to your defense, right? <laughs> oh, you know what? I didn't hear from anyone. <laughs> That's, uh, that was not my experience, nor did I expect it to be. I mean, that's one of the things too. And this is just sort of not everything. Um, the left often tries to make everything a sexist issue, a what, you know, whatever the ism is of the day. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's just that like life is tough and people are self-interested in general. And so if you're asking people to stand up for you, that requires yeah. some courage. That requires putting necks out. Um, and in the TV and media business and politics, shall we say that is uh, less likely to occur even than right. other areas. <laughs> <laughs> right. So post CNN, um, I love your podcast. I think you're hilarious. Um, do you feel like you've made it in your career? Uh, yes, because making it for me looks different than it does for other people. And this is something, again, I think our friends on the left do not allow for is that uh, I chose this career path. And despite speed bumps that we were just talking Mm -hmm. about, I chose it because I have a flexible schedule. I can hang out with my kids. I can be there after school for my kids uh, if I want to um, and spend a lot of time with family in flexible ways. That's what I wanted to do. I often gave up pay to make Mm -hmm. that happen. I never wanted to host my own TV show. Uh, this was not, I'm not, I'm not driven by the news cycle enough in the way that one must be right. to anchor an entire show that way. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that that makes me happier and makes me better at reading what the national mood actually is because most people are not driven by the news cycle in the same way that we have to be. 
Right. Uh, and so I just don't get a charge out of that enough to have been like the head of a primetime show. Right. Right. Um, and so I was, I'm at peace with that. <laughs> I get to talk about things that I like to talk about. I get to have a little bit of an impact. Um, I get to model being the weirdo in the room for uh, my kids mm-hmm. and critical thinking and the, all those things that I attempt to model uh, and sometimes courage sticking up for yourself. And that's what I want to do. That's the more important part of a career for me than hitting whatever the C-suite goal is. Right. So you have four kids. Um, you had a tragedy happen in your life where you lost your first husband um, in an accident. And it's recently you you passed, um, I forgot how many years it was, but you wrote a really beautiful piece about the normalcy that existed before. Um, you've also written a lot about resilience, which I just love and think that um, it's so important to teach resilience and model resilience. And you've always just been to me um, like somebody who's extremely strong, but um, real and honest and not pretend. So how do you show your kids resiliency? Like what, what's some Mary Catherine Ham tips on showing your kids how to be resilient? Yeah. Well, first off, I would say that I, I would just like to note the fact that when we met and we're drinking cocktails in Manhattan, when we used to hang out, the idea that if you had told us that between us, we'd have seven kids yeah. now. Yeah. And I'm you're not like sure bringing that... up most of them. I mean, you have, you know, you have the majority here. <laughs> yeah, I'm not both... sure we would have bought that. <laughs> we both um... didn't want to get married. Um, you know, whoops. <laughs> it was a different it was, time. It was a different um, time. But yeah, I think, uh, look, I think my kids aren't going to, for a long time, understand what was happening to me Mm -hmm. during that time. And I don't want them to, right? Uh, I I wanted them, I wanted to sort of get through that, giving them as little of my trauma as possible. Mm -hmm. And that is something I think people have really lost sight of, which is that you are supposed to stand in the breach for your kids. Yeah, They are not your emotional crutch. Yes, I want to have an open relationship with them. And we, we work on communicating and all of that. But there are things that they are not called to deal with. And in this particular case, especially, they were too young to have trauma from this loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was my toddler was two and barely verbal. And uh, my young, my second was unborn. Uh, I was seven months pregnant. Mm-hmm. So I knew a, that was very helpful to me, by the way, being pregnant, <laughs> because I knew I had to sort of keep it between the navigational be- beacons to get this mm-hmm. kid born safely and that that was my first priority. And then parenting led me to do the same thing. This is my priority. It doesn't mean I neglect myself, but it does mean that I'm really careful about the ways that I lean on them um, and the ways that I try to get through life. So I, I, you know, I need to put that baggage elsewhere. Now, Mm -hmm. do I hope someday that they understand it a little bit? Um, Sure. Uh, But to me, the the more important thing is the day-to-day resilience and them having seen all of us as a family, Mm -hmm. just get up every day and do what we need to do. One of the things I did in the very early days, because I, there were times as there are for anybody who's going through something big where you can't put together an entire day. Maybe you can't even put together half a day, but the thing that I did was I made sure that I got up and gave my kids breakfast every morning. 
And to me, that was a very material, it was often a hot breakfast. I was like, look at me, I'm killing it, guys. I, I don't do um, that. <laughs> but Get it, your own cereal. Yes, exactly. your own milk. <laughs> it felt very um, concrete mm -hmm. that I was doing the right thing by them. If I could get that done and then they go to nap and then I, the rest of the day is a waste, the rest of the day is a waste. Right. Um, so yeah. I think seeing maybe learning some of those tools and watching me do some of that over the years, I hope translates. Um, the other thing I think during COVID um, and other times that have been scary is just to be rational about my concerns and to communicate those concerns rationally, you know, uh, when, when COVID came around, we, we weren't quite sure what it looked like, but we did know that it was not as dangerous to young people. And it wasn't as dangerous to mom and dad who are healthy and in their 40s. And right. so I made sure that they knew that. And I told them, we're also going to be like a little bit more careful about the grandparents, but it doesn't mean we're going to never talk to them, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is apparently what some people did. Right. Um, and so I think, <laughs> yeah, keeping your head about you in those mm -hmm. times is really important for kids. And then hopefully when they're adults, they will also uh, stand in the breach for their kids. Cause it's really, I really feel like a lot of people lost sight of that. Yeah, absolutely. I think the last few years have just been people kind of covering up their already, you know, previously held opinions with these new neuroses. Um, like the, the, the grandparents, like how many people took the opportunity to never see their in-laws? Cause they yeah, were like, yeah. oh, I'm really trying to protect you from the COVID. You know, like can't take any chances. Um, right. so I, I think that, and, and, and people who wanted to work from home or people who wanted to stay home all the time and didn't want to go out kind of used all of that as an excuse yeah. as well. Um, so to wrap up, um, I like to ask my guests to end with the best tip for listeners on how they can improve their lives. What do you think? Oh. Hmm. Okay. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to give two, even though that's like a very pundity thing to do, but <laughs> they're both, they're both fairly practical and small. So the first one is whenever things are going off, like feel like they might be going off the rails for me. I'm like, and this, ha this included uh, after Jake died. Um, Sometimes life is literally just about putting one foot in front of the other. And if you can physically do that by taking a walk, it will get you in a better place. Being outside is good for you. Walking is good for you. Doing it Touching with your grass. kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is all <laughs> important stuff. Um, yeah, you just literally touch grass. Um, and I did that in the days after Jake died. I made sure I got outside every day um, and of course I was pregnant at the time, but drink more water than wine is also <laughs> a good rule of thumb. But right. the second one is, and I tweeted about this recently, and I think it's a fairly simple fix for a lot of people who might be in a bad place when it comes to parenting. There's so much drama around parenting and it's a hard job, but it's also a beautiful job and a fun job. And right. if you can surround yourself with parents who really enjoy their children and don't dwell on the drama and the hard parts as much as they do the parts that they enjoy. Uh, for instance, getting off maybe the Facebook mom group, which can be oh, yeah. almost inevitably toxic mm -hmm. and putting yourself with a group chat of maybe some moms who look, we all have struggles, but we're also focusing on how much we actually enjoy our families that who you surround yourself with is going to make a huge difference. And I try very hard to make sure that I'm surrounded by people who, although they have struggles, are right. not focusing on that 100% of the time. 
I love that. I really do think that your mood is so often, you know, decided by who you're surrounded by. And if you're around miserable people who hate their kids or hate their lives, it's, it's going to rub off on you. So it I think will. that's really yeah. excellent advice. Well, thank you so much, Mary Catherine. You are amazing. Uh, subscribe to her Substack and listen to her amazing podcast, Getting Hammered. I listen all the time. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much. Excited to be here. You make it easy, Carol. Everybody listen all the time. This is great. Thanks so much for joining us on the Carol Markowitz show. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Land.com can help you find that little patch of ground to call your own and do all the hunting, fishing, and hanging out with the family you want. Just know that getting your own piece of land is something that can generate memories for generations, but also has the ability to generate income in both the near and long term. Like if you just want to start a rental business slash family compound. Go to Land.com and check out the hundreds of thousands of rural listings from all across America. Enough dreaming about it. Land.com is a place to find and invest in in your open space.